Are you ready to embrace a life of deep fulfillment where you don't just survive, but you thrive? Well, welcome to the Created to Thrive podcast, your practical guide to emotional healing, spiritual growth, and stepping into your God-given potential. Hi, I'm Lori Snyder, your host, walking with you on this journey. Our episodes dive into what it truly means to thrive in every aspect of life through heart-centered, practical conversations. We'll explore becoming resilient, navigating through the doubts and disappointments that tether us, and journey into heart coaching for emotional and mental well-being. Importantly, we'll form a deeper connection with God, allowing His love to bring healing and restoration. Along this journey, you'll gain a profound understanding of yourself, God, and those around you. So are you ready to embark on this transformative journey to cultivate resiliency and step into the life of abundance that you were created for? Then join me now. Together, let's thrive. All right, friends, welcome back. My friend, Lisa Penny and I have been talking about anger and how do you process anger? And today we're going to go even deeper and we're going to have a real transparent conversation about bitterness, which is really prolonged anger. And it's a topic that I am very familiar with because I was, uh, entrapped with bitterness for many years because I did not know how to process. So I want to have Lisa on here to help us walk through how do we process those difficult emotions and find healing for our lives. And I just want to give you a warning that this could trigger you. We're going to talk about um, abuse and some difficult situations that might cause you to shut down, turn us off, whatever. But I just want to just let you know in advance that it is a very sensitive subject. And if it's something that you need someone to walk beside you, please feel free to give me or Lisa a message and we'd be happy to have a conversation with you. So with that in mind, I just want to welcome you back, Lisa, to the conversation. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. All right. So I'm going to go here. We're going to talk about bitterness. And I always look at bitterness like a stubborn guest who mm -hmm. overstays their welcome in my home. Mm -hmm. I think I'm free of it. And then dang it, I'm right back into that <laughs> cycle of thinking of those um, feeling wronged and injustice and hurt. And so I want you to just help us today with processing this difficult emotion that a lot of times we don't get to talk about. I think I'd like to start with the idea that bitterness does take root when you're in a situation that you can't escape. When you're in a situation where you feel helpless um, or where you're misunderstood for long periods of time. And to think that you're not going to become bitter might not be true. So the scripture is very clear. Don't let a root of bitterness take hold. However, in a lot of the evangelical and charismatic circles, that only leads to denial because there's no viable place to work through the hurt, the pain, and the bitterness. Mm -hmm. So we go back, no, 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 I'm not bitter. And 
that denial goes very deep. So not only are we denying it to others, but we're denying it to ourselves and we are suppressing and making matters worse. Mm -hmm. But there's an opposing scripture to that. And that is from Ephesians 5, which says, bring everything into the light for illumination. That's where it gets transformed. Think about the times that you were struggling with something and you had a ruminating brain. But then when you talked about it, it took some of the pressure off. Mm -hmm. This is kind of what you need to do with bitterness is find some people or therapy that will walk with you in a non-judgmental way, listen to you, sit with you in your darkness. And if you decide that you need therapy, we'll offer some strategic ways of navigating it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some coaches will do that with you, but not all. So you need a coach that really um, if we're going to talk about abuse, that really has walked it out in their own life and has training in that trauma-informed training. Right. If you are going to go for pastoral support, they should be trauma-informed yeah. because anybody who says to the person that's struggling with bitterness, well, you need to pray more or I'll pray for you is doing more harm than good. Talk about that. What, what is happening when it's just resolved to them praying for them, jumping to a solution, but it really doesn't help that person be honest with themselves, be honest with the experience as well as how it impacted them. So it's a matter also of using the wrong tool. Yes, you can pray. It's not the only tool in our toolbox though. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes women have gone to their pastors looking for advice and consolation because of the things that are happening in their home with their partner. And they are told um, to submit, which only makes you more bitter and helpless and feel trapped. That's why you're seeing so many people rage right now against um, those kinds of methods. Uh, you see it all with the Southern Baptist being exposed for covering up abuse. Women are like, no, I'm not taking it anymore. So a counter scripture to that is right before women submit to your husbands, which says, husbands, treat your wife like Christ treats the church. So when you cherry pick scripture, um, in certain situations, it's going to embitter people. And I think that's why God is flipping the tables right now in the church. Mm -hmm. And I'm all about it. Mm -hmm. So can we talk about the ways bitterness, what bitterness is a symptom. Underneath our bitterness is helplessness. It's jealousy. It's feeling misunderstood. It's being rejected. It's feeling like you've lived not being loved for a very long time, or you've been objectified. Mm -hmm. So, hey, you're the woman, you're supposed to give me sex. Hey, you're the woman, you're supposed to make my meals, and you're supposed to like it. You're supposed to take whatever I dish out and be okay with it. Well, 
The truth is, is that when Jesus died for everyone, that means women, and he did not pay a high price for women to be subjugated to slavery all over again. Well, and even a parent-child relationship, because it starts early for many people in mm -hmm. the home of having that dysfunction take place mm -hmm. where authority, abuse of authority is modeled. And that mm -hmm. just carries on to um, adulthood in their relationship with their bosses, mm -hmm. their spouses, their friends, and so forth. And so it has to be recognized so it's modeled in the home. Let's say it's an abusive husband, an abusive father. That child is going to gravitate to those kinds of relationships as adults and perpetuate the cycle. So you've heard the saying cycle breaker. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to be the cycle breaker. Somebody has to do the work to change the patterns for themselves, as well as their families and other generations. So talk about that for a minute, because one would think, looking from the outside, well, if they had that growing up, and that's what they knew, why would they choose a partner who does the same thing? So they don't choose, like, he's the right person for me. It's about familiarity what they've grown up knowing as love becomes familiar. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of um, connecting. So the kid that grew up with an emotionally unavailable part, father, mother, father, might be attracted to a guy who seems aloof mm -hmm. because it feels familiar. Mm -hmm. But then she soon realizes, oh wait, this, I got daddy issues. I got mommy issues. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the bitterness comes in when those abuses, those patterns are not acknowledged by change. Mm -hmm. If I go to my partner and he's not willing to change, that's where bitterness sets in. So think of um, Hagar. Hagar did everything she was asked to do. She even went so far as to give Abraham a child and then he kicked her to the curb. Um, pretty much we see that in society all the time. He kicks her to the curb and he sends her away with minimal supplies to live. I'd be a little bit better. Maybe not a little bit. I might agree. <laughs> well, that's where that injustice comes in. You know, if it's, if it's a one-time thing, you know, that's just anger or whatnot, but when it's a repeated cycle or it was like what we said about from childhood and repeated into adulthood. And what I love about the story with the redemptive, cause I'm always looking for a redemptive theme because God is the redeemer and God redeems Hagar. And he reveals mm -hmm. a name to her that he had never revealed before mm -hmm. that he is Elroy the God who sees her, who knows so her. That is something that can offset bitterness, being seen, being known, being validated. Okay. However, even scripture talks about a time that 
Tamar was not seen, known, or validated. David did not acknowledge. And so therefore, Tamar's life was radically changed. And if I remember it correctly, scripture says that she lived in a room in the palace. Mm-hmm. She hid away from everyone. And that's what um, different kinds of abuses can do. They can cause us to really alter our life. So Tamar was the daughter of the king. Yeah. So we don't see redemption there. In fact, scripture says she died mm-hmm. without redemption. Mm-hmm. But redemption didn't come till much later. But what does that do for the person still living? So this is what I say. Forgiveness is one thing. Healing is another. 100%. Forgiveness does not equate to healing. You have to do the work to heal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And healing could look like a support group. Therapy. Um. There are self-healing modalities that you use in the interim to help you through it. But really, it all starts with acknowledging, hey, God, I'm in trouble because I am bitter to the core. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I've done all of that because of just different, you know, growing up with different parts of molestation. I was never raped but it still doesn't discount from being abused, being devalued, being um, put down and lowered and having a voice stolen because you think if I share something, I'm going to be rejected or they're going to point the finger of what did you do? And even though you didn't do anything, it's just a very confusing time. And what it does is it starts to form a different identity than what God has for you. Mm -hmm. And so that is part of that work that has to take place. And I talked to so many people and all of a sudden it will come up in conversation that they had molestation in their past growing up and it forms an identity. And we believe these lies about ourselves, And it really comes down to what I have found is it has to start first and foremost with the one who created you, who knows your heart better than you do. And it starts with that relationship with him. But what I found was I could quote the scriptures. I, I knew there's different scriptures, but I still had rage. It came out in my dreams. I would be very violent (laughs) in my dreams, right? Because my soul was not at rest. And I had to um, find that person that I could be completely honest with, because we live with these silent, uh, these secrets and it imprison us. And it's a one that we have to know that we can be in that safe place to share our story, but that God wants to redeem those parts of our stories that are not in agreement with how he sees us and the life that he has for us. But it does take intentionality. It Hmm. takes a willingness. No one can force you. And that's why we had that conversation before about forgiveness that I can forgive out of obedience, but that doesn't mean my heart's in it. That doesn't mean that I'm rooted and grounded in God's love for me, that I release the offense to free me up. Not that it gets the person off the hook, 
because I was a justice seeker. And I remember the Lord, the, the scripture that says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord, I will repay. And I really put that back onto God and said, okay, then you do it. <laughs> so in the interim, if we're going to see redemption this side of heaven, you can get justice in other ways. You can get justice by simply sitting back and saying, where were you in this God? And allowing him to minister to you. You can get justice in sitting back and asking him, who do you say I am, Jesus? You can get justice in... Um, conversations with God that you're able to say, how did you feel about this when this happened to me? Mm -hmm. And then of course, it's a really difficult thing because a lot of believers go, I don't know if that was God. Right. So then there's a matter of really figuring out, does this line up with the nature of God mm -hmm. and scripture? And how did it impact my heart? Okay, so I'm going to take it one step further. God doesn't always speak a scripture to us. Sometimes he speaks personally, and that'll come as thoughts that go through your mind. And that's where people are like, I don't know if that was God. The other part is, is that if you do get a scripture, you still have to test it and say, did it touch my mind or my heart? Because that's where those kinds of betrayal wounds and abuse wounds stick in the heart. Yeah. They don't stick in the mind. They stick in the heart. They alter your life. And so justice comes as God shows up and ministers to you truth that you need in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that rhema truth very often is so personal and so life-giving, it doesn't matter. You're still going to need a lot of those moments to tip the scales, but it can happen. Mm -hmm. And I will also say this, even though you're like doing this work with God, you're not going to heal in isolation. You still have to get honest and share with at least one other person and find support for your journey. And that's very important because a lot of times people say, and I have been there too, where like, I'll just do this work with God myself, but we can be deceived in that process of isolation too. But it says in scripture that when we confess our sins to one another, there's healing that takes place in that relationship. And it's not that the sins, when I say sins, it just means the events, the, the different traumatic things or the negative experiences that happened to us and left an impact on us, that healing takes place, you know, in relationship that ha events happen in relationship with other people. So they're going to take place in healing in that, or in that way as well, often. Um, one thing that I did find that did help me in my healing journey was the aspect of prayer. Like after I'd already gone through, you know, counseling and, um, and, uh, scripture relationship, deepening my relationship with God, understanding my identity in Christ, you know, who I am in, in him, I did go and get prayer in, um, there was a prayer and healing home and they stood in the gap 
for the people that had hurt me. Mm -hmm. And that was real powerful for them just to say, I forgive you, or excuse me, will you forgive me? And I could forgive them standing in the gap for my offenders. And there was healing in that for me. A lot of people feel that way, but I'm curious, did you still struggle afterwards? Did you still find yourself having to work through mindsets and protective strategies? Yes, 100%. And it's still a process, right? It's not like I've arrived, even though I've done a lot of work over the last 20 years. Um, There's still times where I have to catch myself and go, oh, I'm back in that mindset again. Mm -hmm. Because we're humans. Yeah. And the neuroscience of it is, is that these things take, um, create a a loop in our brain. And the longer we do it, the more entrenched we can become in that loop. So we need to create new loops. Um, And so these encounters with God and with ministry and with therapy help to create those new neuro pathways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when you get triggered, you can easily revert back to the old ways. Yeah the old thoughts, the stinking thinking, the self-protective strategies. Um, And that's why we have it. It's just a matter of, oh, I'm doing it again. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me figure out what's going on here and let me move back over, drop my guard, move back over to a place of health. And the way you do that is you're like saying to yourself, Oh, I've noticed I've been avoiding people or I've noticed I've been really angry lately. Oh yeah. It's because somebody mentioned um, them being abused or molested and it triggered me and you may not have noticed it in the moment, but the after effects of it. Mm-hmm. So then you have to go back and say, wow, God, still human here, still frail here. Need you again. What do you want to say now? And that's a beautiful thing. And then another thing that has really helped me is having close friendships, just those few close friends Mm -hmm. that do know the real you Mm -hmm. like yourself that will call it out and say, Hey, it might just be me, but I've noticed this. Mm -hmm. You think there's anything to that? Instead of in a condemning judgmental way of saying you're doing it again, but in a very kind and compassionate way of saying, you know, I'm noticing this, what's going on? Help me understand. And yeah. And if I'm really going to call somebody out, I go, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say with marriage, what my husband and I had to learn to do was to say, Hey, I've noticed this. It might just be me. Maybe I'm just picking up on something. Maybe there's nothing to it, but here's what I'm noticing want to talk about it and then inviting that into a conversation. And a lot of times we're not aware of it, but we need to have those close people that we know that are for us and have our back. And it's very few. I would say it is very few. Even if let's say you go to your partner and you go, Hey, I've noticed this and they fly off the handle because now you're confronting them and they're feeling threatened. Right. If they don't want to do the work, your healing will only go as far as theirs, as long as you're in that relationship. Yes. 
why we need to have girlfriends to Absolutely. And, or guy friends. If you're a man, you have a guy friend that you can call and, and talk to, but we, we need each other. That's where that iron sharpens iron. And it is very, very mm-hmm. important. So, so as far as healing, then let's talk about, we've talked about the bitterness. We've talked about the healing, but can you just sum up if someone, if, if someone's listening right now and they're struggling with prolonged anger or rage or perceived injustice, resentment, what would be, where, where would you say, here's your starting point today? Your starting point is acknowledging where you're at not denying it. It's taking off the mask, you know, especially if you're a churchgoer, take off the church mask, get honest with yourself, your, your doctor, your PCP can help you a lot. Um, Get honest with God, start by start with honesty and keep getting honest about what you're feeling because in acknowledging the emotions, it's not bad. It's only bad if you act on your emotions. God gave us emotions. So you're going to acknowledge them. And that's how you start unpacking everything. That's a good place to start. You can go to therapy. Um, somebody could work with you or I because we deal with unresolved trauma. Right. There are many, many ways to do that. In Pittsburgh, there are groups that are nonprofits that will take your insurance and nothing more. And if you don't have insurance, they'll still take you and they'll help you if you've been victimized. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they have that in most larger cities. Yeah. And that's a big point that you're not alone. And that's part of when you tell your story to a safe person, you recognize, oh, I'm not the only one. Or you recognize, oh, my story has got nothing on their story. There's as much. More. <laughs> But that's where you have commonality. You have come. Yeah. But I want to say a key point with being self-aware of where you're at. This is so important that we become Mm self-compassionate that we do not. um, It says in in, um, in, uh, Corinthians that we don't judge. Paul didn't judge himself according to his flesh, according to what had happened to him, because I mean, he was a murderer and all that, but he says that we're not to um, know anyone according to their flesh, but by the spirit of how God sees them, that identity and how that is, and not to identify with what was done to us or, or what we did, but to show that self-compassion and really go to the Lord to say, Lord, again, help me replace these lies with truth, but be kind, you know, God's a loving, kind God, and that we need to practice that loving kindness towards ourselves because that's Mm -hmm. a problem I find myself and a lot of other people doing is just beating ourselves up with the shoulds and we should be beyond this by now. And how long Mm -hmm. am I going to do this? And it doesn't get you anywhere, but defeated. Can we tear apart lies for a moment? Mm -hmm. Abusers lie. Victims People that have experienced sexual, physical, emotional abuse, they develop these coping strategies and these stories they tell themselves that turn into beliefs. Those are not lies. Those are beliefs. The lies come from the abuser who's going, she's crazy. That never happened. You're just being overly sensitive. Those are outright lies of a person who doesn't want to deal with their 
I'm going to say crime. It's a sin, but it's a crime too. It is. Yeah. It's really the beliefs. And that's that heart. That's why we have to coach the heart because the heart is the seat of our belief system. Because everything, right? Everything flows, all of our issues of life flow out of exactly the condition of our heart. And that's also the condition of our heart is dependent if God's word is even going to take root and help us create a new belief system. Yes, the soil. Yes. So basically, when there's some kind of abuse, we need a rototiller. Yes. I'm making a lighthearted analogy. Right. Because it's really serious stuff that we're talking about. But oftentimes that's the way it is. It is. In fact, I did, um, I spoke at a retreat several years ago and it was a a women's retreat. And um, one of my messages was cultivating the heart. And we, I grew up on a, on a farm. And so we had the old fashioned rototiller. So I went and took a picture of our rototiller and I said, this is how we partner with God. It's violent, right? says that we suffer violent, but the, you know, but we take it by force force. Mm -hmm. and we do that, but not in a physical sense, but in that relationship with God sense and then relationship with others. But it's the three things relationship with ourselves, with God and with others that that's Mm -hmm. how, um, healing takes place as well. So I think we need to do our own retreat. I think that would be great. (laughs) That would be very powerful. And, uh, and I think art would have to be, I'd have to do some artwork in there. This whole art therapy, we could have Deb come in too and and do some art therapy, but there's so much hurting and pain. And I know I am called to help people discover their voice Mm -hmm. that's been silenced by whatever negative, painful experiences from the past and help them make a difference, but also really experience God's redemption in their life and be a voice for him in their sphere of influence. So I think a retreat would be great. All right, Lisa, that is it for today. I know we will continue to talk because we are really passionate about helping people thrive emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally, spiritually, every aspect that life offers and even financially and professionally. And, you know, we just want to help people. So how can people get in touch with you? Uh, They can go to wholenessandpractice.com. I have an app coming out very soon of which you're going to be one of the coaches that will be highlighted in that app. That's coming out very soon. It's called Get Attuned. It is already out on Google and soon to be released in Apple stores. Are you doing personal coaching right now too? I am a little bit. I took a break um, to focus on the app development, but I am coaching a little bit again. So they can reach out to you if they are interested in having their heart coached. And and I have only a couple spots open for me. So um, we would love to have a conversation regardless. Do you want to pray for for the listener. Father, I pray for the the one who's been hurt and embittered, that they would find even a little bit of strength to rise up, to speak up, to take one step today on the healing path. That's all they need is one day at a time. So I pray, Father, that you would orchestrate connections and highlight the path that each person 
needs to take in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Well, friends go check out the get attuned app. And then also, if you would do me a favor, go to created to thrive podcast on Apple podcasts and scroll down and leave me a rating and review. That really does make a difference in one, letting me know that you are being blessed by this podcast and are finding it helpful. And then also it helps me get noticed so other people can have a resource and just make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss out on any of these uh, helpful podcasts. So until next time you were created to thrive.